Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is a bonus episode of the Adweek podcast uh, because, we, man, it's a big news week. Uh, we have found out in the last uh, probably 24 hours as we record this that Droga5, uh, one of the most celebrated ad agencies uh, on earth and, and definitely one of the most celebrated independent agencies, uh, has been acquired uh, by the global consultancy Accenture, specifically by Accenture Interactive, the marketing arm. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is something we've talked about quite a bit uh, on the podcast, the trend of uh, consultancies and other players like IBM and a few others buying agencies, this kind of new era of, uh, of acquisitions and ownership and uh, this is by far the most dramatic piece of news in that space. It's the biggest acquisition, uh, I believe, that, that uh, Accenture Interactive has done in this space. But I've got some experts to help me uh, parse through all this, what it means for Droga, what it means for advertising, uh, whether we should be concerned about this or excited about this uh, or what. And so with me, we've got uh, Lindsay Rittenhouse, a staff writer here at Adweek who covers the agency's beat. Uh, Lindsay, thanks so much for making time for us. Thanks for having me. Also got back Doug Zanger, a senior editor here at Adweek on the agencies and creativity beats. Doug, thanks so much for uh, dialing in. Yeah, I'm just concerned you call this experts. I'm a little concerned about your label. Same. There. <laughs> <laughs> if not us, who? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, Lindsay, if you can just explain the ins and outs of, uh, of uh, you know, global consultancies real quick. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, but uh, we do know advertising. We do know agencies. And we certainly know Droga5. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let, let's start with just some, uh, some basics here. Uh, Droga5 uh, was started by David Droga back in 2006. Before that, uh, he was... 
definitely one of the best known rising star creative directors uh, in the world. Uh, started in Australia, uh, went out to the UK where he was the, um, the I believe, the UK uh, executive creative director for Saatchi and Saatchi, uh, and then was brought to America uh, around 2003 to be the uh, the first worldwide creative chief for Publicis. Uh, and then in 06, uh, right in New York, started uh, Droga 5, an agency that was named for the uh, famously for the label uh, that his mother would stitch onto his clothing that identified it as belonging to the fifth Droga child of six. <laughs> uh, David was number five. Uh, and so that is the origin story of Droga 5. Uh, a few years, maybe five years, I, I should have the timeline in front of me here, but about five years into their existence, uh, they did sell a minority stake uh, to William Morris Endeavor, the talent agency, uh, which bought 49%, uh, percent, I believe for around $115 million, uh, which at the time, some people were like, oh, that really overvalues what Droga is worth. Uh, do we know, D- Doug, uh, uh, do we know no, how much uh, know. this acquisition was worth? <laughs> no. <laughs> they didn't jump to no, tell us the, uh, no, and, the purchase price. No, no, that, yeah, that wasn't like top of mind for them. Uh, no, and, and I think that going back, I, I want to say, and, and don't necessarily quote me on this. So they they did acquire an agency in London, and I think it was 2013, Karmarama. Uh, I want to say that was about 50 million, um, but that's uh, you know it, it, that's not that's not potentially a, a, the the right number, but that's what I've been told by a few people. Yeah. So I mean, the, the, you know, this is a company that makes you know probably in the in the in the realm of you know 40 50 million in revenue a year i would guess for uh for droga um and so you know it's a, they it's a it's a pretty substantially large agency and i should i should point out too for those who maybe aren't as deep in the nerdy weeds as we are on advertising that I mean, Droga is just one of those agencies that everyone talks about. It is up there with, uh, you know, with Wyden and with, I mean, I mean, very few others. Uh, it, it's one of the few where pretty much everything they do uh, is is generally worth looking at. Whereas a lot of agencies kind of pay the bills uh, with a lot of their work mm-hmm. and then do maybe one or two cool things a year. You know, that said, Droga Five has certainly had ups and downs over the years. Uh, we kind of always point out that they were for for a while there they were our agency of the year, our U.S. agency of the year, like every other year. Uh, which kind of showed that they would have like a really incredible year and then a really quiet year and then a really incredible year and a quiet year. And that's kind of been the thing. And and I I do think a lot of that is because they, you know, David Droga is the, I believe he's the creative chairman. I think he will remain in that role under Accenture. Uh, But, you know, they've been very picky about the clients they pursue, they go after. Um, Their global footprint is still relatively small. I think it might just be London, uh, right? Yeah, just London and New York, yeah. Yeah, just London and New York. And that that's a that's a willful decision that they made a while back. I mean, it, it's very – you look at like a small agency network like David, right, that does the, a lot of the Burger King stuff. They're in – maybe four countries, you know, they're in Miami and Buenos Aires and Sao Paulo and, you know, they're, they're kind of all over. And so it's, it's really common for agency networks to sprawl out all over and to have kind of midsize offices. Drogo really never did that. They've got this very small and scrappy operation in London that does some incredible work. And then they've just got this massive 
<laughs> you know, headquarters in Wall Street. Uh, Lindsay, have you been over there to their Wall Street office? I have uh, twice now. It's it's beautiful. It's really incredible. Kind yeah, of what fun. you would expect from Droga. <laughs> yeah, it's pa- it, it is just packed to the walls with people, too. I mean, at least every time I've been, they just seem like they were just mm-hmm. stacking stacking people like firewood, growing, growing as much as they could in there. Yeah. Um, Lindsay, I'm curious about your take on kind of what sets Droga apart. Like why, you know, it's it's like if the news had been that, that you know, someone bought uh, Zambezi or someone bought uh, Mechanism, I just don't think it would have been like the yeah. New York Times mm-hmm. caliber headline, uh, even though those are excellent agencies. What made Droga such a big deal that they were getting bought by a consultancy? I mean, you know, they put out the be- – I mean, the best work really. I mean, every every campaign they put out is – um, eye-catching. It, it draws a lot of attention. They work with, like, some of the hottest clients, HBO. Um, you know, they just they just constantly do really good work, and they get noticed for it. And um, they've been independent for a while. David Drogue is a huge name, so him selling to Accenture is interesting. And I believe in the Q&A between David Droga and uh, who is oh, Brian Whipple, um, they did with Patrick, you know, uh, Brian even mentioned he was kind of like, we wouldn't just buy any agency. You know, we wanted the best of the best. And, you know, when you think about it, that's that's pretty much Droga. So that's that's why I think it was such big news. Yeah, and we've heard uh, mentions of this. I think the New York Times first reported that there, there were these kinds of talks going on almost a year ago. Um, and so, you know, all, all of us had kind of known there was – and, and as we mentioned before, you know, they were 49 percent owned uh, yeah, by – Yeah, by Yeah, by – and so – you know, it's not like they were necessarily allergic to this idea of acquisition, and it certainly gives them a lot of resources that, you know, uh, yeah, it's, just, it's a nice big old cash injection and, mm-hmm. a, and a nice safety net. I, I saw today on Twitter a really interesting comment from someone saying that they have a lot of friends who have, have moved from the agency world to the consultancy world uh, just because, you know, that's where a lot of the industry talent is going and they obviously can can often pay better too. And they said that those those people who've gone to the consultancy side have been really impressed with how much direct contact they have with clients, you know, how much direct access, I think was the word they used with clients versus in the agency world like – a very finite number of people get access to the client, and there's this certain kind of dismissiveness, I think, about agencies, kind of a second-class citizen uh, thing where the clients tend to kind of look down on them a bit in terms of – I mean, not this is obviously not the – the rule across the board, but I say it's more the rule than the exception. And they just said that that's a little different because consultancies, you know, if you're going to bring in a consultant, they're going to be talking to your biggest – players. They're going to be talking to your top execs and they're going to have that kind of access. Uh, So in a way, it makes sense. I don't think it's quite the same as if you were getting bought by like a data metrics company (laughs) or some like back end thing that just, I I don't know, had no had no real uh, kind of marketing savvy to it. Uh, Doug, remind us some of the other agencies that Accenture has bought and that, that other consultancies have bought. I mean, you've got, you know, Deloitte, you know, snapped up heat in San Francisco. Uh, You know, I mentioned Karmarama, the monkeys, which is one of our favorite Aussie agencies. Uh, That's, that's an Accenture company. Uh, Fjord, you know, there's this list. I think that uh, Accenture has made over 50 acquisitions of agencies and um, you know, they're, they're doing it relatively quietly uh, except for (laughs) clearly, clearly this one. 
Um, yeah, I mean, there's a uh, Rothko in Ireland. Yeah, Rothko right? in Ireland. Uh, Wong Duty was uh, acquired by I think it was Linksys out of India. So there's this interesting pastiche of new owners of agencies that are coming from you know, these these different places that aren't necessarily the traditional holding companies. And, and I wanted to go back to your point, David, about the second class citizen uh, second class citizen thing. You know, I think the big difference here is that a lot of times agencies, and I've heard this from brands before, where, where brands consider agencies more vendors than partners. They might say that they're partners and things, but I think that if you're an agency and you now have greater access to the CMO, you have greater access to the higher echelons of a company, that solidifies a partnership as opposed to just more of, of being a vendor. And I think that's a, a key consideration in this. So I think it's upon it's incumbent upon agencies now to get on the front foot and really be able to talk about what they can really offer in a way that's different so that they can get away from that notion that they're just vendors instead of partners solving business problems. So I think that's a big consideration moving forward. Yeah. Um, I'd like to add something to that too, because I had actually talked to Heat's Katie Klumper. So she's the New York general manager and principal at Heat after it was a year after they were acquired by Deloitte. And I was talking to her about kind of what had changed and everything. And she was saying it's interesting how different um, being owned by Deloitte is than like a traditional holding company. She said it's more quote, um, like a law law firm or doctor's office because you kind of just use them when you need them a little bit and they kind of, you know, lean on them when when they need some creative perspective or whatever. But she also said they don't pitch as much for AOR assignments. Um, A lot of the new business they were getting uh, was just through Deloitte's connections and relationships. So they didn't have to actively go out and pitch for new business as much. Well, and what's interesting, too, about that is that what I'm hearing from agencies as well is that a big part of their growth happening now is lift or organic growth from existing clients. Mm-hmm. And it's it, the the uh, agency of record pitches are few and far between. I mean, Kroger yeah, is the most notable one right now. Uh, you know, it, it will be interesting, however, to see if that does shift at all uh, back to AOR when, you know, when a brand has a roster of 12,000 agencies, you know, do they go back to this AOR model? So I think it's too early to tell. But um, yeah, I I think having that stress removed is a massive, massive plus. Uh, But it does come down to a, a consultancy or a new owner that's outside of a holding company understanding the importance of culture and the importance of sometimes just letting the agency be the agency and trust that they're going to do the right thing for the client and for the brand. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, both of you kind of bring this up, is that the, you know, agencies are scared of project work, right? Because it's a lot of times when agencies pursue any kind of new work, they take a hit, they take a lot of, they do a lot of work for free. And so the idea of of constantly being chasing those has, I think, for a long time not been super appealing uh, to agencies when you're basically in it because you're already in a 24 hour like pitching life cycle when you work at an agency. So so going after you at least want to think you're going after long term commitment. But if you think about a consultancy like I was a consultant after I left uh, the ad agency I worked at. And you pretty much only do short-term projects, right? Like, mm. I mean, like, not, I mean, do people hire consultancies year-round? Sure, but 
uh, you know, that's really more kind of an outsourcing a lot of the times. So I, I, I feel like in general, consultants are just more comfortable with project work, and they also are more aware of how project work can lead to more work, uh, to your point, Doug. Uh, so, you know, I hadn't honestly thought about it until now that, that that's just a different headspace that, that when you're a consultant, that's kind of, and you're building off the relationship of, oh, if I do a good job with this person, then maybe they'll recommend me to their friend over at this other place. Um, and so, you know, it's just, it's a different mind space. I do remember talking about heat. Um, I remember going to their, I guess you call it cabana, whatever that they had at Cannes, um, <laughs> <laughs> which Sweat makes it box, sound a little, right? Yeah, it makes it sound a little nicer than it is. Uh, just little little room off the beach on that little row of of kind of uh, uh, of mini offices that people set up, and and I would I went in there the year the year that uh, Deloitte bought Heat, and you could never mix up the two. Like if you walked in, you could mm-hmm. tell who was a Deloitte person mm-hmm. and who was a That's heat person. Right. Uh, <laughs> and it was, but that was, <laughs> yeah, it was just, that was so early. I mean, I don't know if that's changed at all, but it's just so early in the, like, but I mean, everyone seemed cool. It's a, they were all getting along. It's not like oh, yeah. they were co- coldly staring at each other. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was just kind of a funny, that was my first exposure to like the, the cause, cause holding companies aren't, quite that different from agencies like most holding companies people probably came from agencies mm-hmm. uh, so i think they just are a little more um they just i don't know they, they just maybe fit fit in a little better um but I, i'm curious so Lindsay, what what have you been hearing either since this news or before this news about from the broader you know ad ad industry is it seen that this trend of of consultancies buying up agencies is it a good trend? Is it a bad trend? Is it threatening to creativity? Is it going to bring accountability to creativity? Like what what kind of themes are you hearing in the way people respond? Um, a lot of times they tell me that it's completely overblown. I think um, this this acquisition might might change their opinions on that a bit. You know, Accenture acquiring the biggest uh, one of the biggest creative agencies around the hottest, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Accenture is trying to be WPP and go out and buy all of these agencies. Um, I think they're doing it strategically. Uh, I think it just, you know, it gives um, – it's going to give Droga, you know, the the cash they could have. They they now have – they can lean on their data um, the capabilities at, at Accenture and that's increasingly becoming – something that agencies need to work into their creative. So I, I think it just makes sense as to where um, the industry is going. And I, I don't think it's going to kill creativity. I think it's just, you know, we're we're entering a different stage now. Everything is digital. Everything needs to incorporate data into things. So I think, um, yeah, I think it's just reflective of where the industry is headed. I don't think holding companies, traditional holding companies have been having issues and maybe they should see this as a, as a threat, but to individual agencies or, you know, how how creative is handled or anything else, I don't think it's necessarily a threat. I think it's just an evolution. Uh, Doug, you sent out uh, some, you know, feelers with the industry after this news broke, mm-hmm. uh, and we we published a roundup of some of the responses you got. But how would you summarize kind of what you were hearing uh, in response to this news? Well, I, I think there is – an understanding that this is the direction that everything is going. So it's it's a train that left the station and is not showing signs of going back to that station. I, I think there's some sadness um, among more 
traditional using air quotes there, creative folk. Uh, I think that's been one of the big issues that keeps cropping up when a consultancy buys an agency is that it will kill creativity. And that's where, again, going back to the idea of you, you need to let the creatives do the creative comes into play. Um, you know, I, I think that there's cautious optimism. Uh, I think, I think it, everyone's in this, let's just wait and see. Um, but you know, there, there were a few people that, you know, that really, uh, thought this was, you know, this is like the end. So Mark Ray, who's the chief creative officer at North, uh, said, it's, it's an end of an era, end of advertising. I know that sounds like hyperbole, but Droga was everyone's psychological hope for our industry. For Droga to sell to a management consulting company, well, honestly, probably spells the end of the agency model as we've known it. So that's, yeah. <laughs> but other than well, that, yeah, and, <laughs> Mrs. Lincoln. Well, and Michelle Edelman, who's the EVP chief strategy officer at Peter Meyer down in New Orleans, said, I think this signals the death knell of the kind of daring creativity Droga 5 has produced and that has won in the marketplace. So you have the, the one side that is saying, you know, this is over. This is absolutely over. You have other people like the CEO of Laughlin Constable, um, Matt Lingal, Lingal saying it's a crucial moment for the industry as it's the first time a genuinely great agency is being acquired by a major consultancy. It's now clear there are two competing visions for the industry, one based on consolidation and size versus one that puts a premium on independence and being nimble. Ultimately, clients will decide what fits their needs best, and one could argue they already have. So he's thinking that, yeah, you know, this is, this is what CMOs want. This is what brands want. And... A, you know, agencies. If you're if you're out there, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to change a few things to to stay relevant. I think that's potentially overblown, but you know that's that's the thinking here. It's uh, I, I think that they recognize that their independence at Droga was a huge plus and is a huge plus. Now the trick is how will those cultures come together? And again. Will they just let Droga be Droga? Well, it's like listening to that 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 comment about Droga kind of being the last the last bastion. I'm I, I'm like picturing Yoda. Oh boy! Uh, you know when when the <laughs> here when we the, go <laughs> when the ghost of, when the ghost of Obi Wan Kenobi's like he that boy's our last chance, and he's like, no, there is another, <laughs> and there obviously in the agency world there is another. There is Wyden and Kennedy, uh, who of course was our U.S. Agency of the Year before that was our Global Agency of the Year. They've been on. Uh, through their work with Nike and and many other clients, uh, have been on a spectacular uh, creative run, uh, you know, in the last few years, and and of course have always been pretty spectacular and are uh, fiercely independent. Uh, Doug, you live in Portland. You are keenly familiar with the Portland-based agency of Wyden and Kennedy. Will they ever no. sell? <laughs> that's that's all you're getting from me. No, <laughs> no, it, they'll never sell. They're just, I think, they're too. You know, Droga, Droga was founded, what, 13 years ago? Wyden was founded, you know, many, many years before that. Uh, and I think that they've been able to adapt and adjust accordingly. And I think if you look at their network around the world, whether it's Shanghai, Tokyo, London, Amsterdam, I think that they've built something that's, you know, that's really built for the long haul. And that, I, I, I would say without question that it's an emphatic no. They'll, they'll never sell. And if, if I, look, they continue to do outstanding elite level work. 
uh, work that actually moves the business needle because that's what we're in the business of doing in the first place, which is solving a brand's problems and helping them be profitable. And as long as they keep doing that, then I think they're going to be fine. And I don't see any reason. I don't, I have no reason to believe that that would ever change there, especially with the leadership, the vision, uh, you know, so they're, you know, they're the standard bearers now. And I would argue that they always have been the top stand, standard bearer and Droga being a, a very solid 1A in that respect. Uh, but no, I, I could never see that happening. And if it does happen, then we're all going to go back and make copious amounts of fun of me. Well, they'll, they'll have a lot of their own crow to eat. You know, it's like they, they've certainly... Uh, kind of reveled in their own independence and made fun of these folks. Uh, I, I tweeted something about it that responded to someone, and I said, um, yeah, I just picture Wyden alone on a hill surrounded by zombies uh, it wearing suits. And Colleen DeCourcy, the president of Wyden, responded with just a gif of, like, this anime girl firing guns at zombies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so they certainly embraced well, that. The, well, the other, the other uh, thing to consider let, with this in the independent world is that we're we're cons- we're consistently seeing an acceleration of new smaller agencies pop up. So one example of that is this agency down in LA called Haymaker. They're former Seventy Two and Sunny. You know, you start seeing the way that the holding company ecosystem, using corporate speaky word, there is is crumbling in some areas. So all of that talent is now out there, and really, if you if you have three people. And a few projects, you can get a pretty decent agency off the ground. If your ambition is just to be doing good work, interesting work, and not have the ambition to be a 600, 2,000, 10,000 person agency, then you conceivably could do just fine. So this is an emerging piece of the industry that I think will be interesting in the next four to five years. Um, it remains to be seen how that's all going to manifest itself. Now, back when like Anomaly and 72 and Crispin were independent, you know, there, there was more mergers and acquisitions. So, you know, you started seeing MDC pick them up. Uh, I'm not sure that we'll be seeing as much of that. I think it's a combination of the fact that there's more project work uh, as, as opposed to 10, 15 years ago. So I think that independent agencies, and especially really small ones, they can be successful as long as they keep their eye on the ball and they do what a lot of agencies, what I mentioned earlier, if they can build their, build their client list out, start with some projects, and then organically grow them, then I think you can have a successful independent agency. All right, Lindsay, make a bold prediction here. Who is the next independent agency to fall like who's going to get get bought out? I can I can recap. We've listed quite a few, but we've got uh, Widen Kennedy. Uh, we've got Richards Group in Dallas. Uh, we've got Mechanism, RPA, the of course the Honda uh, focused agency in uh, where are they yeah, Santa Monica. Santa Monica. Yeah. Uh, Venables Bell, uh, Barkley, Butler Shine, Omelet, Zambezi, and then one I threw I, I would throw out too is Edelman, uh, which I think you know, traditionally has been a yeah. PR firm. They're family-owned, independent, uh, run by Richard Edelman, but uh, they've become an ad agency. You know, they are 
I'd, I'd say the only thing that might keep them from an acquisition would be that they kind of consider themselves a consultancy. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think they really see themselves as a data and services provider who has gotten into the creative space with what used to be called Edelman Digital. Maybe it still is, um, but they're they're all over the place now and they're making content and you know stuff we're covering as as creative output. Uh, so they're one to watch on either side of the equation. <laughs> I don't know if they'll be acquiring or acquired. Uh, but Lindsay, uh, yes. what's your what's your bold mm-hmm. prediction? Mm-hmm-hmm. Okay, um, I'm going to go either RPA because they have a lot of like the the kind of digital edge that I think people sometimes look for. Uh, they do a lot of like really cool stuff. I they did that. Um, that cool, like, animated, um, like, AR experience for, like, kids who are critically ill. That was that was really Invisible friends. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that was so that. Oh, love that. Yeah, campaign. that was so, so, oh, that made me That's cry. So but um, that or Omelette, because Omelette's been doing a lot of cool things, too, and they just went through a rebrand, so maybe they're they're kind of positioning themselves for, for an acquisition, maybe. So I could, I could see either of them. I don't know if RPA wants to be bought, but I'm sure they've gotten offers. But yeah, those two maybe maybe stand out to me. All right, Doug, Doug, any Hmm. any picks? I would. uh, I'd throw phenomenon in LA in there, maybe. Um, Come on, let's talk major agencies. Okay, I'll say Bark. I'll say Barkley. Big names. I'll say Barkley. Yeah, they're in like Kansas City. I'm going to say Barkley. Yeah. Can't see like the the new capital of advertising with uh, VML YNR kind of blowing. Well, VML was there, and I assume they're still. They're oh, yeah. still l- largely based there. Um, but, yeah, Kansas City, uh, as someone who went to school in Missouri and spent a lot of time in KC, I've loved seeing that becoming a a real hotbed of creativity. It's a cool um, city. It's an interesting yeah. market. Very interesting market. I think the one I would be uh, – I would feel the same way about as Droga being acquired would be Venables. Uh, you know, Ven- yeah. Venables was our uh, breakout agency of the year a few years ago. Uh, their work on Audi um, is spectacular, and, and they do a lot of other good work too. Um, but they're one where they just they put so much effort into the craft, even when sometimes part of you is like, "Did you really need to? <laughs> Did that need to be that like well done of an ad?" But uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, which sounds which sounds like a negative, but I mean, I'm just saying that like everything they do feels so perfectly art. And it's same with Droga. Like the, the downside of Droga's work is, I think a lot of it. Sometimes to me, uh, feels a bit self-indulgent. It feels like they they go real deep in areas where you're like, I don't know if you really needed to do mm, that much yeah. to to make it pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, IHOB is a so so. Uh, let's end on that note. Uh, just uh, you know the RIP independent Droga uh, air section here, where we look back fondly on the 13 years that Droga was an independent shop. Because, uh, you know, David Droga's not dead. He's not going anywhere. He's not retiring. He's still going to be there. But things, you know, things could be different. Uh, do you guys have any favorite uh, Droga work that you're going to look back on? Ooh, I, I mm. loved that that Super Bowl, not Super Bowl ad they did with Anna Kendrick. I still love <laughs> yeah. that one. That was so good. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. It, yeah. If we made yeah. it uh, for uh, Newcastle Brown Ale. Yeah, let's. Yeah, uh, I would. Say let, that. Let's uh, yeah, let's definitely. use this as an excuse to go back and listen to some of Anna Kendrick's fantastic yes. <laughs> uh, mo- monologue, where she realizes that she's not actually going to be in a Super Bowl ad. Maybe one of the funniest moments to me of, of advertising ever. Here we go. Yeah, we were like days away from shooting, and then they called and told me they didn't have any money. It's disappointing, you know, because um, I was really looking forward to the paycheck. <laughs> so I'm like back to doing. Indie cred stuff, which is great, but 
can't stuff indie cred down a male stripper's g-string. You know what I'm saying? I'll just give you an endorsement right now. Hi, um, Newcastle Brown Ale, the only beer that ever promised me a high-paying role in a commercial and then backed out at the last second like a bunch of Yes, that's so good. That's such a good campaign. And they had like, they had some with Stephen Merchant. And they, they had, I mean, they had so much. There was so much to that campaign. That was the first time where I was just yeah. like, man, these Droga folks. Like, because up till then, you couldn't tell, are they going to be kind of like barbarian where like they do really interesting stuff, but it's more about the gimmick. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more about the, that we could do this. We kind of proved we could look like we're spray painting Air Force One for Mark Echo. Uh, you know, we can create these little things. And I remember thinking of Droga and Barbarian along the same, along the same lines. And then certainly Droga like split off and became a, a, a creative agency in the way of, of uh, but this was the first campaign where I remember just being like, man, that's a, that's an awesome campaign. And Doug? It, yeah. I mean, tour, tourism Australia, the, the yeah, Dundee stuff, I think is, is my favorite. I, God, I just make that movie for God's sake. That would I don't, uh, I don't make, know. make the, make the damn movie. I don't need a Danny McBride. Uh, yes, we do. <laughs> no. Yes, we do. I'll tell you the, the funniest bit in that is in the trailer. Uh, the, I think that, yeah, the Super Bowl version where he says, uh, where he's like apologizing to Danny McBride for admitting that it's not a real, uh, you know, it's not a real movie. And he says like, you're the best Dundee since, uh, Crocodile Dundee. And it <laughs> cuts over to Paul Hogan. To, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Paul Hogan just, and he's just goes like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's the one moment where I was like, okay, that's legitimately very funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you know, I, I feel like I should throw out something, um, you know, they they did uh, a really – this is like maybe a deep cut here, but I love like how ambitious this was for uh, Bing. <laughs> oh, wow. The search, the search wow. engine. Uh, they did uh, Decode Jay-Z. I think it's either Decode Jay-Z or oh, Jay-Z yeah. Decoded. But they took yeah. pages from his upcoming autobiography, Decoded, and they put them in media buys. Well, I mean, I shouldn't even say media buys. They just put them in places all around the world where they were contextually relevant, meaning like, you know, where these things actually happened uh, to Jay-Z. Um, so like there's they made a plaque in the projects where he grew up and they 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 wrote a big section of his and the plaque was like. Uh, you know, a page from his autobiography, and they they wrote part of one page on the side of a car parked in this one neighborhood. But anyway, the the client payoff here is that all of it was you could piece it together, like you could piece the experience and the puzzle together using Bing Maps, like their their version of Google Map and Google Street View and all that. And so I just remember thinking, like, wow, Bing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that was cool. Um, and just that just kind of showed that I think that's one that maybe isn't remembered as well as uh, some of their more visual stuff. But it's just yeah, cool idea, and it really did kind of show that they could take a boring client because up till then, you know, they had had these very snappy and interesting clients. Um, but until they get into the binks and the prudentials and the chases, <laughs> you know, you don't you don't really mm -hmm. know can you be cool. For a really boring client, uh, that's the real test, and I and I think Droger consistently proved uh, that they they definitely could. Um, yep. Well, Lindsay Rittenhouse, staff writer for Adweek, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And as always, Doug Zanger, senior editor here at Adweek, thank you for joining as well. 
My pleasure. All right. I'm David Griner with Adweek. We'll be back in just a few days with our regularly scheduled uh, episode where we're going to be talking about the future of streaming services, and it's going to be real cool. We have so much to talk about, so many things that are happening in that space, and I can't wait for that episode, which we're going to be recording very shortly after this one. So I will talk to you then. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.